Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website ericlevy.com under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy, and I am pleased to bring to you Eov Chapter 10, Sefer Eov Perik Yud. Eov continues his response in Chapter 10. That is, he was already responding in Chapter 9. And in this chapter, his mood has calmed down a bit, although his sorrow over his own predicament has certainly uh, not waxed at all, not waned at all. Nakta nafshi b'chayai e'ezva alai sichi adabara b'mar nafshi. I am disgusted with my life. I will let my sorrow engulf me and speak from the bitterness of my soul. If you remember last chapter, he sort of made fun of himself, saying that whenever he tried to put aside his bitterness, he was inundated with even more sorrow. So now he's simply saying, I'm going to embrace the bitterness and, and speak from the very depths of my uh, of the bitter place where I am. But what happens now is he turns to God with much gentler requests than, and then he's been uh, really, and almost no accusations as opposed to what has been come before. Um, he's really asking that God let him know why he is being treated so, and he's going to simply ask that God doesn't do it anymore, uh, stop, that God should stop doing it, since undeserved punishments do not reflect well on God as God. Omar el Eloah al Tarshieni Hodieni al Matiri Veni. I will say to God, stop vilifying me. Tell me why you are fighting with me. As I mentioned in the previous chapter, Rasha and Riv are legal terms. Rasha Tarshieni means why are you making me lose this court case, and Matiri Veni means why are you bringing me to the court case in the first place. But Eov is is not accusing God of being unfairly and unjust at, or in court, as he did in the last chapter. He's simply asking that God start, stop taking him to court in the first place because he can't handle it. Is it really in your interest that you oppress, that you abandon in disgust? The word timas means to be disgusted with or to abandon the works of your hands, that is, me and all of mankind, that you should reveal yourself that you should reveal yourself, that is, to allow protection and success over the plans of the wicked. And this really gets to the central question of all theodicy, which is even worse than the fact that righteous people suffer, is that the wicked people are successful, because A, it just eggs those wicked people on, and B, it makes God's uh, assurances that wickedness is bad, and that wickedness will be punishment, it makes people question those assurances and question God. Are your eyes made of flesh? Will you see things from a human perspective? These are rhetorical questions that are requesting objectivity that God behave as God, as an objective being, rather than a mortal and subjective being, because for God, a human perspective is, is, is wholly unacceptable. Are your days like the days of man? Are your years like human years? The assumption is that, I think what Eov is trying to say is that a man's short life might cause him in his rashness uh, to act impulsively and therefore incorrectly. But again, God doesn't have these problems. He's not limited by a short life and therefore his behavior should not reflect 
any kind of shortness or impatience or rashness or, or, or impulse or, or, or an impulsiveness of nature. So there is no reason that you should look for any iniquities nor search for my sins. And this is, I think, a statement of innocence uh, by Eov. Now, Eov can't be sure that he didn't sin. And he may have hinted a little bit that there might be some sin there. Remember that in the first few chapters, uh, he even brought sacrifices just in case one of his sons may have slipped in some minuscule way. So he's aware that maybe there's some tiny thing. But by and large, I think it's a statement of innocence. There's, I don't deserve this. I'm innocent. But because he doesn't, he makes, he, while he said he made, there may be a sin. He keeps asking God and asking these friends, these three visitors to tell him what his sin is because he doesn't really think he's sinned. And he's saying if God would look at it objectively, then God would see that he hasn't sinned and that he shouldn't keep searching for something that's not there. Also, remember that we, the audience, the reader of the book of Eo, we know he hasn't sinned since we were privy to the opening scenes in heaven where we knew it was all a test. And we know that the test was, I'm going to do what I can to Eov and prove he's a sinner because he'll curse God. But Eov never cursed God. And for all of these harsh words and the harsh words to come, God, that Eov will never curse God in this book or anywhere else as far as we know. This is the innocence. You know that I should not be vilified. That is, you should not, that I should not have lost this court case. Yet no one can be saved from your hand. That is to say, you're the judge, you're the jury, and you're the executioner. So if I can't get a fair shake, I have no recourse. I have no way to approach the bench, so to speak. And now Eov approaches God much more gently and really tries to kind of approach him from a paternal standpoint or or better, maybe instead of paternal, maybe I should say a parental standpoint and request that God as a parent of humankind have mercy on humans. Your hands fashioned me and, and finished me. That is finished not in a negative sense, but in an artistic, constructive sense. That is, you polished me and completed me all around, yachad saviv, as in like a 3D, a full 3D uh, solid structure. Vatevala'eni, and yet you have destroyed me, you have devoured me. Now note the word devour was also used to describe what the Satan had done to Eov in chapter 2. And this is... And here it's being described as what he's saying God has done to him. And as I mentioned in chapter 1 and 2, this is one of the many proofs that there is no Satan. That Satan is simply a personification of the destructive manifestation of God in this world. Eov knows it, Eov's audience knows it, the Jewish people who are writing and reading this book know this. Uh, but it's important to, to note that the words are the same that connect that Satan idea in the first chapter to the reality, which is that God is devouring him. Uh, in, 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 in his eyes. Also, it's possible that the words Yachad Saviv should have been read Yachad Saviv to Vala'eni, that they actually connected to the word, uh, to destroy, which means that he completely and totally destroyed me. But either way, this, either way that you read the verse with the comma before Yachad Saviv or after Yachad Saviv, either way the sense is the same, which is, how can you do this to the to your own creation. And again, Eov is nothing if not a believer. He believes in God, and he believes in God as the omnipotent creator, but he also believes God as the omnipotent destroyer as well. Remember now that you made me from clay, 
And it is to that dust, to that dirt, that you will return me. In the religious sense, chomer means things which are physical, which are subject to the impurities of nature. And David used this in his famous Psalm 51 to indicate that since I was created out of sin, so to speak, out of a very natural process, I should be cut some slack. But again, I don't think Eov is admitting sin here. He's just saying that God made him from nothing, and he's going to return him to nothing. So therefore, as his creator, and he should know that that Eov is just a human, and he should consider that while or before he brings any more ruin on him. Halo kechalav tatikheni v'chagivina takpieni. Don't didn't you pour me out like milk? Didn't you solidify me like cheese? The imagery of the creation here is like the process of making curds and whey. Uh, if you take simmering milk and add rennet, which is the stomach of a baby cow before it started to eat grass, or if you want to make kosher cheese, you can't use the actual rennet, but you could add the milky substance, the milk which is in the rennet, then what happens to the simmering milk is it starts to separate into curds, which become the cheese, and the whey, which is the milky run- runoff, like skim milk. It's essentially skinny, skim milk. And people drunk the whey, and the curds were the eaten as, as is, or they were pressed into cheese. Um, however, Eov may also be invoking a different image here, which is that uh, the image of conception, the process of, of the human, uh, uh, the human process of, of how a people, how a person is conceived, and the chalav that's being described here, this milky substance, may be referring to uh, semen, and this would also invoke. Uh, rather than the cheese-making image, which is possible, it invokes a much more negative and lowly image of the nature of man, which, if that's what Eov is referring to, he's really trying to engender God's understanding and mercy even more, based on the very low beginnings of what man is all about. And there is a famous Ethics of the Fathers, a Pirkei Avot, like that, which is, uh, look at the... Uh, the small uh, drop that you came from and look to where you're going and know before you stand and then you'll never commit any sins. So here Eov may be reversing it. Look at how, what a lowly form essentially I am and therefore uh, you should consider having mercy on me and consider not punishing me in any way that's undeserving. Verse 11 continues on in this vein. Or uvasar talbisheni uvatsamot vigidim tisochacheni. You garbed me, you clothed me in skin and flesh, you wove me with bones and sinews. The word sachach can mean to be cover or to protect, like a sukkah or schach. But uh, since here it's on the inside, the, the gidim and the atsamot, so the sense is to weave. Uh, which is a better translation. And gidim, of course, could be, uh, I, I translate it as sinews, but it could be ligaments, tendons, arteries, veins. They all fall, fall under the category of uh, gidim. Eov, calling on God's mercy, ends off now with a very, very religious and, and humble and appreciative assertion. You gave me life and kindness, or life through kindness, and my spirit keeps your commandments. And I think he means this both in the religious sense, that out of appreciation and debt to the kindness that you created me, I follow your laws, I follow your moral scheme. But also it could be in the sense that my ruach, uh, my living being uh, continues to follow God's instructions, the kudot, uh, which are, sort of, I guess, sort of like the involuntary processes, the beating of the heart, the breathing of the, the mouth, the movement of the limbs, that life itself, thanks to God, follows sort of a, a process, and it, and it 
and it consistently, the heart consistently beats, it follows the kudot. Um, and that's essentially where Eov gets to in his request for mercy that God appreciate, that he appreciates that God created him and mankind and that God should appreciate it as well. But now, in verse 13, things turn around. And after all this belief in and appreciation of God, which is honest and heartfelt, but now comes Eov's sense of injustice, which is also, from his perspective, honest and heartfelt. But all of this, that is not the things I've said, but the things I'm going to say, all of this you know, literally it means you've hidden it in your in your mind or your heart, but not in the sense that God is hiding something, but that God knows it for sure. It's really solid there in his mind or his heart. Getting back to the verse, I know that this is, this is how it is with you. If I sinned, you kept me under guard. And here I think he's referring to an unfair guard, a supernatural guard, which he mentioned in his last speech. You will not, that is, you refuse to clear me of wrongdoing. If I sin, then woe be it unto me. But even though I'm in the right, or even if I was in the right, I couldn't lift my head. I, I still couldn't lift up my head. I am filled with disgrace. Look at my suffering. That is sin and, and, and no sin. It doesn't make a difference because I'm going to suffer either way. You hunt me like a proud lion, like a lion does in his pride. You return to do wonders with me. And he doesn't mean wonders in a positive sense. He means wonders in the sense of these supernatural disasters which have befallen him and his family. You renew your witnesses against me, that is negative witnesses. You increase your anger with me, your angels and your spirits are, angels and spirits are with me, they're against me. Now, I'm not sure about the Khalifot and Sava, which I translated as angels and, and, and spirits. Khalifot would be the spirits and Sava would be like uh, Tzvaot Hashem, would be the angels. But uh, I, I did that because the word chalifot is used as a verb when uh, Eov and Eliphaz were talking about the spirits that were passing them by. The word chalifa, to pass by, was used. But perhaps it simply means regular soldiers, and maybe the word chalifa means like soldiers that change their guard every so often. But either way, whatever these things are, they are certainly lined up against Eov in battle, and that is the accusation. So now that Eov has established that God is doing all of this, and doing it intentionally, even though in all rights God should be taking pity on Eov rather than punishing him for either nothing, because he's totally innocent, or for the small crime of being an imperfect human being, Eov returns to the call he opened with in chapter 3 and, and to the call which he'll return, the, the begging that he'll return to again and again. Why did you take me from the womb? Let me perish so that no eye will continue to see me. It's better as, that I will be as if I never was. It's a, it would be better as if I had been brought straight from the womb into the grave. Aren't my days few and then they stop? And now he's speaking of God in third person. So I guess he sort of turned back to his audience, to us, to his visitors. He should let go of me, vishith me many, and I will be happy in a little while, that is, when I die soon enough.
The word ma'at doesn't mean a little as in a little bit of something. It means in a little while. He should let go of me. B'terem elech v'lo ashuv eretz choshech. I'm sorry. B'terem elech v'lo ashuv. Kama el eretz choshev v'talmavet. Before I go, never to return to the land of darkness and shadow. As I mentioned before, this doesn't necessarily mean that Eov doesn't believe in the afterlife. It's possible that he doesn't believe that he himself will see the afterlife based on the way that God's been treating him. But more likely, and as I mentioned, this is just the usual way that the, essentially Tanakh ignores the afterlife because the main point of God is not to instruct us how to behave in the next world, but to instruct us how we're supposed to behave in this world and how we should appreciate it or recognize what happens in, in this world alone. Uh, another note, the word salmavet is really just means, it's, it's often translated as the shadow of death from the word sel, Shadow and mavet, which is death. But really it's a single word, which is a long form of the word salmut, which simply means darkness. Uh, however, it's clear that the author doesn't use tselem or tselmut, but he uses tselmavet because he wants us to pick up on the mavet, the death that's in the poetic tselmavet. Finally, we return to the tselmavet. Eret seifata kamo ofel, tselmavet velos darim, vatofa kamo ofel. It is the land of deepest darkness. Eifa is darkness, ofel is darkness, tselmavet is darkness, los darim is disorder, so I'll translate it as shadow and disorder. Vatofa kamo ohal, like the deepest darkness. And note the very almost sad play on words, because vatofa should come from the word lahofia, to appear on, which hints at light and at revelation, and as if God's shining presence somehow appears. But the truth is vatofa kamo ofel at the end of the verse matches a fata kamo ofel at the beginning of the verse, which means gloom and darkness of the highest order. And this is where Eo feels that he is destined for, and unfortunately, it is only in this place, in this place of complete and utter darkness, where no light will ever be seen, he believes this is the only place that he will find some rest.